Dive into our latest courses designed to enhance your bond with your furry friend. Whether you're a seasoned owner or a new puppy parent, there's something for everyone at dogspeak101.com. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Enroll now and take the first step toward a happier, well-behaved dog. Visit dogspeak101.com to browse our course catalog. Get 10% off all courses through February the 14th. Hey guys, and welcome to the Dog Speak Podcast. I am Nikki Ivey, your host. I am thrilled that you are joining me to talk puppies, dog training, real life manners, and more. Be sure to check out our Facebook page as well as our website at dogspeak101.com. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. We are sorry we are so delayed this week. It has been a busy week, but we are back. And I am here this week. There is no Brit this week, and I know you're going to miss her, and I'm sorry about that. But... I am here with Amanda, our puppy development specialist yes. and friend, who has the wonderful and very smart, surprisingly Irish doodle, Clark. Amanda, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm really excited to finally have you on here, because uh, I've known you now for what? How old is Clark? Two and a half. Two and a half years old. So that means I've known you for just a little over two and a Two years. Two and a half years Almost minus ten and a half weeks. Years, ten weeks. All right. Uh, I will tell you guys, the first time that she ever came to class with Clark and told me he was an Irish doodle, I giggled to myself and probably out loud and didn't mean to um, because I thought, why are we taking... No, you said this out loud to me. Did I say that? Okay. You did. Uh, we're taking the dumbest breed, Irish setter, which Gray corrected me tonight, was mm-hmm. not the dumbest breed anymore. <laughs> Um, I won't even talk about the dumbest breed now that he says, um, but taking one of the smartest, the dumbest breeds with one of the smartest breeds and mixing them. And I thought, boy, I'm real curious to see what Clark's going to end up. And y'all, Clark has ended up as one of the best dogs I've seen from someone who does not work with dogs professionally. And I got to give you kudos for that. I mean, you've done an amazing job. Thank you. Uh, she does. Amanda does not train dogs professionally. Uh, she is a physical therapist. And I'm going to let you talk about that for a second. Um, but she also puppy raises with Retrieving Independence with us. And she's also one of our Tier 1 puppy uh, tier leaders. So she helps out a lot with the puppy raisers. And it's been great to have her on board. Tell us a little bit about what you do for a living. Uh, plug yourself a little bit for our local listeners. Yeah, so I am a physical therapist with Nashville Physical Therapy and Performance, and that's right here local in Nashville. We have four locations to make it convenient for everyone. So I do that full-time. I specialize in golf rehab, so I work a lot with golfers, um, keeping them on the course and healthy and pain-free. And then on the side, I train dogs for retrieving independence. Love it, love it. If I ever get back to golf... (laughs) Because it's been almost nine years since I've played, uh, but I still have my clubs. If I ever get back to golf, I may have to come and see you. And I'll probably need to come see you anyway with my tennis elbow, and I don't play tennis. Um, and I don't even know what you call the tendonitis and the bicep. Bicepitis? Bicep tendonitis. Oh, well, that makes sense. Bicep tendonitis. It just didn't flow as well as tenis, tennis elbow. Tendonitis. So, 
Yeah, but we're not here to talk physical therapy, although I probably need it. And we know Gray needs it. God bless him. He was I've here seen earlier. Him. You have he did say that he came mm-hmm. and then he saw you for his back. Yep. And his ad he's it's like he's an old ass in a young body that's not a young body. I don't know, maybe it's a young soul in an old body. I don't know. He's an old man. <laughs> he kind of is. He kind of is, isn't he? Yeah. But he's a man, y'all. So we know that his pain tolerance is low. So, because we know women can handle more pain. And poor Gray, he left. He can't even be here to, like, and he, you know what he probably He can't defend himself. He can't defend himself. But what do you think? He has to work with, like, three women. So, and then with R.I., it's all women In the women's on the leaderboard. And then he goes to the women's prison. So God bless him. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gray. We love you. We adore you. We wish you were here, though, to, to, you know, talk the podcast with us. But that's all right. We'll have you on for another podcast. So we got Amanda and Clark here. And I'm going to call it my studio. It's actually just my home office. Um, we're going to call it Clark and Amanda are in the studio. Clark has gotten to play with Isabella, barked at the cats. It's been all a good time. But the purpose of the, we- of the website, I was getting a website tonight, the purpose of the episode is really just to kind of talk about the process you went through when you were going to, to one, decide you wanted a dog um, at a, a time that you were in school <laughs> trying to get your master's. Doctorate. Your doctorate. Jesus, see, y'all, I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. I played, I played sports. Um, so you were at school getting your doctorate, and you're like, oh, I want a dog. A puppy. You wanted a puppy. You were ready for a puppy. Yep. And so, take us through what made you decide to go with this combination of dog. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm still, I am still in awe, honestly, in my, in professionally. I've, I have seen Irish setters in my 25 years. Not many of them. They're not, you don't see them around very much anymore. But then you get this guy, <laughs> and he's amazing. Especially with someone who's, I'm like, oh my God, another doodle. Mm-hmm. Doodles are everywhere. Um, but, so tell us, what? how did you get to this breed? <laughs> so I was in school. I was in the thick of my second year of three years of grad school. And first year brought its own challenges. And second year didn't get any easier. <laughs> and I knew for myself that I needed to focus on something other than myself because you get into a vicious cycle of all you do is dedicate your life to school. And when you don't get that a, or you don't do as well as you had hoped, then well, what else have you done with your time? Well, nothing you studied. So there's, there's really no, for me, there was no reward of, okay, well, at least I have something that I was caring for or something that I was doing like an activity or a sport like I didn't really have a hobby because I was I moved here from Illinois so I came here to go to school and I didn't realize how intense grad school would be and I didn't realize I would need something I also grew up with animals and when I moved here it was the first time in my entire life I didn't have an animal oh so that was also another adjustment for me And when I was in school, I was like, I've got to do something for my mental health. I've got to do something for my own personal well-being. i got to do something that will force me to manage my time better. Um, Not that I wasn't managing it well with school, but that would force me to take a break from school. Um, As weird as that sounds. No, it actually doesn't. I think it sounds like a really good reason. 
for finding something to say, what can I put my energy into that's also going to meet some of the needs that school's not meeting? Right. And and more so, like, everyone that I talk to, you know, because when you think of when the idea sparked in my head, like, well, maybe I should get a dog. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should get a cat. <laughs> and everyone was like, well, why don't you just get a cat? I'm like, well, because cats take care of themselves. Like, you just scoop the litter box. Like, you can leave a cat for you can Have you met my cats? Some of them, a couple of them are needy. <laughs> just saying. But, like, I mean, I grew up with two cats, and so I'm like, well, I mean, they don't really need you. Like, they don't force, I mean, unless they throw up, they don't force you out of bed. (laughs) And we all know what the sound of throw up does to us. (laughs) I don't know why somebody's not made that into an alarm clock, right? I mean, because it all happens, yes. Right, and so it's like, you know, I needed something that would... Force me to get up in the morning, force me to manage my time so that I knew I'm like, I have this amount of time to do schoolwork and this amount of time. Because when I was in high school and undergrad, undergrad, I, w- I had a job. In grad school, I just focused on school, so I didn't have a job. In, in high school, I played golf, so I always had an extracurricular. And then when I came to grad school, all I was doing was school. So I was like, I need something else to like dedicate time to that isn't myself because I'm one of the least self-motivated people Uh so me doing an at-home workout isn't going to happen I would never pick that for you (laughs) ever me going (laughs) signing up and going to an appointment at the gym I will be there um so I need like accountability in that sense so I was not one to be like Oh, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to study hard at school from 3 to 5.30, come home, eat dinner, and then relax the rest of the night. I talked to friends. I goofed off. I did all the things. You know, I thought I was studying, but not really. And then next thing you know, you're it's 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and you're still studying. And then you go and sleep a little bit and wake up and you take a test and you don't finish it and then you have a mental breakdown and so <laughs> and this might this is why I did not finish college. <laughs> so it's just a vicious cycle. And so I you know, I sought out counsel as far as like asking my colleagues and my fellow students, you know, like I think I'm gonna get a dog. What do you guys think? Everyone was like, you're nuts. How do you think you have time for a dog that's not fair to the dog? That's not, you know, other PTs that I knew I would ask and they were like, I for sure never had time to raise a dog in grad school. Like, what are you doing? So then I'm like, okay, but like, I just feel like they didn't need that extra motivation. Right. They didn't, they're not seeing where I'm coming from. Right. So I wish I could see Clark right now though, because he is like, doesn't understand why mama is not playing with him. And why she is holding the ball and see and not giving it to him. And he's enough. He's like, but mama, you have my ball. Thank you. He's so sweet, y'all. Um, he's it's a squeaky guy. ball for those that yeah, didn't hear, hear it earlier. You're listening to a damn dog podcast. You're gonna hear some damn squeaky and maybe some barking. Deal with it. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. So, anyways, I sought out you know people that could maybe give me some input on. Do you think this is a good idea? And everyone told me no. <laughs> And so my next step was, you know, to plead my case to my parents and say, you know, I think, like, for my mental well-being, I should 
get a dog and they were like absolutely not no like no and if you come home for christmas you can't bring a puppy in the house really? yeah so i said okay fine so i just kind of let it go not and, expected and <laughs> i decided that i wasn't gonna tell anyone and so <laughs> i started researching dogs Googling all the things, you know, raising a dog in grad school. Is that a, like, what did people do? Like, surely people, and my thought was, people have full-time jobs and get dogs. Right. People have kids and get dogs. Right. People have lives and get dogs. So what's the difference of being in grad school? Like, why can't I get a dog? Like, why did I not have time for that? Um, you know, so I was this single female that was just in school. I'm like, I don't have anything else than to take care of me and a dog. Nobody else can do it. Sounds like, a, yeah, sounds like a perfect time to get a dog because I don't have a job and I can come home every day for lunch for right. to tend to a puppy. So I was like, to me, it made sense. Now, to everyone else that's maybe thinking about getting a dog in school, if it doesn't make sense and you don't think that you're going to be able to make the time for the dog, then it's not the right time to get a dog. And that, whether you're in school or in life or whatever... Um, I'm a big proponent of you need to be able to like realize you have to make time for this animal. Like you can't just get a dog for your enjoyment to play with and expect it to be okay when you get home after working nine to five. Like, right, and I think I think you make a good point there. Of I don't know if we can actually get those answers from other people because right. we're the only ones that really know what does our schedule look like, what does our life look like, what is my energy level, mm-hmm. what's my devotion to this, right? Right. I don't. I think people a lot of times do get dogs because they think that, well, we, maybe we should have a dog. Our neighbors have dogs. Our best friends have dogs. We would love to have them to play together. Our kids want a dog to grow up with, but do you really have time for a dog? Yep. That's what we really have to think about. And it sounds like that even though you had a lot of stress going, you did have some of that extra time to kind of sit around twiddling your thumbs or put it towards something right. that would make you feel better. Right. And so I, you know, Google all the things, and then I was like, well, you know, I'm going to physical therapy school, and one of my professors had a therapy dog, and I was like, what do dogs make good therapy dogs? So, you know, <laughs> Dr. Google comes up with, of course. with uh, doodles um, as one because they don't shed. Well, yeah, I'll be the first to say doodles <laughs> do in fact shed. Clark does not. Um, but yes, please don't think if you're getting a doodle that it's hypoallergenic and that it's not going to shed and you're not going to have a problem. And just because it doesn't shed doesn't mean you ha- don't have to brush exactly. it. Exactly. They're one of the high, highest maintenance coats in my opinion. I agree um, with that. Yeah. Cause a lot of the doodles we have with our service dogs, they get matted very easily if they're not brushed on a regular basis. And they don't like being brushed unless they've been brushed since they were eight weeks old. Yeah. Uh, so I was looking at doodles and, you know, I knew people that had golden doodles and I liked the idea of a golden doodle. Um, so for the low shedding aspect and I knew I wanted a puppy. And so I started Googling different types of doodles and I honestly don't know how Irish doodles came up, but they did. (laughs) Didn't even know there was a thing. And... I found one on Instagram and messaged that person and was like, tell me about your dog. And they just couldn't brag enough about the dog. And I was like, okay, so it's a good, it's a good dog. And the descriptor, people were like, how are that, how is that different than a golden doodle? And the descriptor I read on Google is that (laughs) a golden doodle is like a bull in a china shop. Like they're just floppy. They just 
They're just crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, golden doodle lovers. They have a great personality, but they just are crazy and floppy. And the Irish doodle, the setter, gives them a sense of grace in that. And so I was like, interesting. Okay. And I was like, I guess I could kind of see that because of how a setter is built. And they, they, Irish, I would say that our setters, I would call it, they have grace. They, they have more grace than a golden retriever. Yes, much more. Yes. Um, so then I was looking at different breeders, and it had to be the right timing. So for me, I was like, if I'm going to get a puppy, it's going to be over Christmas break because then I have three weeks to really spend with it. Uh, in that first three weeks, potty training it and setting a foundation. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, you need to say a word? Clark's like, I want to be on the episode. <laughs> Good boy, Clark. And... Serious Clark. <laughs> so, speaking of Christmas. <laughs> so, we'll get to his name later. Okay, because I was going to bring that up. Uh, so, yeah, so I was like, it has to be over Christmas where I can spend, dedicate, you know, two to three weeks solid just pouring into this puppy building that foundation and so I researched but via Google as Google researches um (laughs) and found a breeder in Tennessee and the timing didn't work out because after finals I was going to Ireland for a week and jealous at all so I had to come back (laughs) and so I was like well I couldn't pick it up till this date and they're like sorry all our pups go home on the same day and I was like wow okay And through Instagram, I found another breeder in Georgia and talked to them, got a really good feel. Um, My biggest thing was I wanted to go pick the dog out in person. A lot of breeders these days are doing with a picture. Yeah. Um, But knowing that I wanted potentially for him to maybe go into therapy work, um, I wanted to go temperament test him and really see which dog I wanted because I had first pick of the males in the litter. So. Um, so I contacted them and decided to go down and pick him out. And I vividly remember my mom calling me the night before study day, before finals. And she's like, what are you doing tomorrow on study day? (laughs) I'm like, oh, you don't want to (laughs) know. And she's like, no, no, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, for real. Like you're, you're just going to get mad at me. And she's like, no, like, tell me. And I was like. I'm flying to Georgia. And she's like, you excuse me? <laughs> what the hell? I'm Georgia. I feel that way unless I'm going to Savannah, but go ahead. And she said, where? I said, Valdosta. She said, where's that? <laughs> Funny thing is, is I had a ton of uh, Delta points from traveling the summer prior. Nice. So it cost me $11 tax to go pick him out. Wow. Um, so I flew down in. Delta was the only airline that flew into Valdosta so it just all worked out and I picked him out the breeder was great I got to see the parents I got to see all of their dogs which also is important to me to know that it's a reputable breeder yes um so good point very good point uh I wanted a reputable breeder I wanted a small breeder I just don't love when breeders you know they're like oh this dog's done breeding who wants to adopt it like I, I would rather it be your pet. Yes. Um, and this breeder was 
And so she uh, had two setters. Her show setter is what Clark's mom is. Oh, wow. And her hunting setter is what she makes golden Irish for hunting dogs, her golden retriever and the Irish setter. Really? Yeah. So if anyone wants either of them, Southern Red Retrievers and Doodles in Georgia. Southern Southern, did you hear me say Southern like a Southerner? Southern. Southern Red Retrievers and Doodles doodles in Valdosta, Georgia. Yep. Um, So, yeah, so I went and picked him out, and he was great. I can't speak more highly of them. They made great dogs. Um, Clark's biological brother, not from his litter, but from the next litter, also lives in Nashville, so that's kind of fun. Oh, yay. Um, hey, buddy, you got your brother he here. made a good impression. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I ended up with him. I raised him. I potty trained him in a week, which was phenomenal. Um, he was just so smart from the beginning. Yeah, so let's go back to you. If I remember correctly, you talked about how you asked the breeder to go ahead and start. Yeah, so I asked a lot of questions about... You know, do they see kids? Do they, like, what's their environment about? Like, are they outside? Are they inside? What kind of environment are they in? Um, what about crate training? What about potty training? And they were already, he already had a lot of association with a crate. He had no problem sleeping in a crate the first night because she had already introduced the crate to the, all the pups. That, um, my friends and listeners which is one of the same. That is very important. Mm-hmm. When your breeder can start teaching these dogs what they're going to be doing when they get in the home, I think it takes a lot of stress off the puppies. Because if they wait until, you know, they go home, and these pups have been sleeping with their mother and with their siblings for eight weeks, and all of a sudden they're put in a crate by themselves, and they get cold very easily, that can be very stressful. But to have a breeder who's willing to... Start that process. Now, did you get him at eight weeks or? Yeah. I got him at, so in Georgia, it's legal to get, to have them adopted out at six weeks. Okay. Um, But since I was in Ireland, I got him at eight. Okay. So he did have a couple weeks where some of his siblings were gone at six weeks. um, And then he, they just loved on him for an extra week and a half. And so he was very much acclimated to the pet life. Love that. The only dog. Um, so that's another thing that I love about a small breeder is that they treat the pups like their own. Yeah. They can really give them individual time. Mm -hmm. And that does make a difference when they start implementing some of the things that they're going to be dealing with with life. Right. Instead of thinking that, oh, well, we'll we'll just let them feed off the mother and then we'll start to give them food and then we send them out. And then we wean them for a week and and then we're done. And that's not really, that's why you have to be very careful when you're looking for a breeder. Ask a lot of questions. Yes. I asked a lot, That's a good. lot of questions. I, you know, I asked about the parents, what their temperaments were like, what their health history was. And sometimes like, by having a breeder to just answer those nicely will give you a lot of information that it's a good breeder mm-hmm. than a breeder who's just going to cut you short and be like, why are you asking all these questions? Right. Those are the breeders you probably don't want to deal with. Right. But the or ones that want to spend know. time. Right. Uh, though you can definitely tell the ones that like care about their pups as if they're their own. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I went and picked him up after I got back from Ireland. I landed in the States on a Sunday and picked him up in Atlanta, Georgia on a Monday. We flew back to <laughs> Nashville. So he was on a plane the very first time. At eight weeks. Yep. 
That's amazing because I know he flies and he was with me. He does, and he he was with me. So some breeders do ship. Yes, and that's in cargo. But he was with yep. me in a little carrier, and everyone loved him, of course. <laughs> they still do. So yeah, so he did great on that flight, um, and he just. He's been a great traveler ever since. We drove seven hours to Illinois, my hometown, at nine weeks old. Um, he did not have a single accident in the house, but my parents' 16- and 17-year-old dogs did. So that was a big props to me. <laughs> okay, so i got to ask because I have seen your parents around this dog. When they finally met him. Did they finally just drop the whole, it's a bad idea? It was love at first sight. They dropped to their knees, like, on I mean, the ground playing with them. It's hard not to. Right. Um, yeah, he was so, adorable as a puppy, and he's adorable as an adult dog. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I think part of it is the fact that I worked with him for a week, and he was very well trained even at nine weeks old for a nine-week-old puppy to be potty trained, to know, sit down and shake and the simple tricks. Um, he was pretty good. He was a really good puppy. He slept through the night. I mean, he, I, I crate trained him. And then at nine weeks, since he didn't have any accidents, he started sleeping in bed with me. So at nine weeks, at nine weeks old. So I will say that, that is <laughs> abnormal for my listeners. You may not want to sleep with your nine week old pup because you'll wake up to pee pee. <laughs> so I, I, and I think the whole bottom line is that to me, Clark is abnormal. That's what I realized once I started volunteering with Retrieving Independence. Right. You and I thought, see. this dog is psycho. Yeah. And then my friends were like, no, that's a normal puppy. That's a normal puppy. Clark is not, he's not been normal. No. And I, I will admit, I really thought, oh, this, this girl's crazy. You said, oh, I vividly remember. So I went real fast <laughs> And forward. she still talks to me. <laughs> Well, fast forward to, I knew I wanted to get him into training classes, so I went to a big brand breeder, which we will not be named, and um, it just wasn't the class for us. You know, yeah. day one, they're teaching sit, and I was like, he's been sitting since he was four weeks old. Right. What do you mean? What? Right. And then week two, we're teaching down. I'm like, he knew that at eight weeks old. Yeah. Like, he knew that on command. Like, they've been doing that since they were born. Right. But he knew it on command at eight weeks. I'm like, this, you know, this isn't the class for us. I got to find something else. So I asked my professor. I'm like, who do you recommend? We love her, by the way. (laughs) She knows who she is. If she (laughs) listens to the podcast. (laughs) So She might now. Now I, then I got connected with Nikki and he was not fully vaccinated yet. So I think I came to two or three classes without him. Yeah, you did. And um, that's when you were skeptical. (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm going to show her. And And I'll never forget the first class that we had with you. We did the egg challenge. Loosely walking with an egg. And we were the only ones that didn't drop our egg. I was floored. (laughs) And then you said, okay, next we're going to work on walking your dog without the leash. And I was like, oh, sure. Like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. And then you singled me out and said, you drop the leash and walk your dog. And I was shook on the inside. Really? But I, I guess... Kept it together. You didn't show it. And then he, you know, he didn't listen. He was 14 weeks old. Uh-huh. And he followed me most of the time. And then he wanted to go say hi to another dog. So he did. And I said, come on, let's go. 
and went and got him and kept going. And you're like, that's exactly how you should act. And I was like, what? <laughs> Me? What? Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but okay. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that's when I knew. Well, that's, that's when you fake it till you can make it right there. <laughs> you made it, my friend. So, <laughs> so that's when I was like, okay, maybe I am okay at this. Yeah. And, um, was okay. I, I had high expectations for him and for him being the youngest in the class intimidated me. And I was like, no, 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 I can't walk my dog off leash. She's the youngest one. And but he did it, and he did well. And then we went to the level one class once, and then I think we did level two like two or three times. And I think that's important because each class is different. It really is. People don't realize that our level two is you can take it multiple times. Okay. It may be different every time. And it's not like, you know, the other classes where you graduate. It's, you know, you're learning different skills around different dogs because right. dogs act differently around other dogs. I had and somebody ask me at the level one, the final level one class of, did we graduate? Can we go to level two? And I looked at him, I said, my dogs in class never graduate. Right. We don't graduate dogs. Yeah. Cause it's, it's constant learning. Are. Yeah. So, you know, some dogs need to do level one twice. Didn't I? <laughs> or more. But the level two, you could do endless times. Yeah. I still bring Clark's class sometimes. And I love and it. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and we work on different things, whether it's sitting in, in a place the whole hour or yeah. working with the other dogs to show them what to do. Um, yeah, so we love it. That was definitely a good thing to find you. And it gave me a break circling back to school. It gave me a break on Thursday nights. I could be like, I'm peacing out. It, yeah, I know I have an exam tomorrow, but uh, we have training tonight. Right. Just um, let my brain go somewhere else. Well, there were times where I would listen to my lectures that I had recorded in the car. So I learned the movements of the pelvis on the way to the There you go. (laughs) The movements of the pelvis. Oh, come, sit, stay. Good. (laughs) Movements of the pelvis. Were you just like multitasking in your brain? Yeah, I was listening to my professor, like (laughs) listening to him teach. And then I had my one arm on the steering wheel and one arm like as the lever of the pelvis. But I got it. You did it. You graduated. I I graduated. I passed boards. You you graduated. You passed the boards. You have a great dog. (laughs) I mean, hell, you've made it through life, man. Life is good. Life is good. You know, we we lost you there for a few months because you moved for a few months. And moved uh, around. For... And how old was he when that happened? Because I think you took maybe one level two, maybe two level twos before you moved. I think I took two level twos before I moved. So he would have been, he would have been. It was right. One about... and a half. Okay. I was thinking he was younger than that, but okay. One and a half. He would have been one and a half. And we moved to, well, something I, else I would add is that I put socialization as a priority for him because um, I knew how important that was. So as much as the dog park isn't the best place, I he did fine there. So I, I took him there at least once a week, usually twice. And then he went to daycare once a week at the farm. Excellent. Um, because I knew that they were trained enough yep. by you to notice. He had some behavioral issues like mounting inappropriately <laughs> um, to get attention. Yes. And so they worked on things like that with him. So that was big priority for me um to financially prioritize that and 
just in his daily activities to prioritize socialization. And he went everywhere with me, whether it was to Home Depot or to a friend's house. And I think that's very big, is where you, you allow the environment to teach as well as you guiding him with that, but giving him the opportunities to be in the environment. Yeah, and going out to eat with him and just, you know, just having him there with me all the time because I knew with my lifestyle he's going to have to adapt. And so if I didn't expect him to adapt at a young age, I think the two days after I brought him home, we were out to eat. Like, we were out at a restaurant Love that. eating on 21st Avenue where there's Vanderbilt sirens going to the oh, hospital. Yeah. Um, and he did great. So we just... He just kind of learned to go with the flow because that's what I knew he needed to be able to do. And then we moved away when he was one and a half so I could finish my degree. So we have all the clinical rotations as part of our final part of our doctorate. Um, So we were in Austin, Texas for two months, Traverse City, Michigan for two months, and Portland, Oregon for two months. Jeez. And that was different countries, isn't it? It really was. <laughs> so really good for him. Three different countries plus COVID. So Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Forgot about that little thing. <laughs> so How can I forget. And even then I knew, you know, he still needed socialization was still a priority. Like even though I was working a full time job, he can't just sit at home from nine to five. I had the blessing to be able to go home and let him out over lunch, thankfully, at each location. But um when we were in Texas, I made sure that I found a daycare that was similar to the farm and how they paid attention to behavior because Excellent. a lot of the bigger chain daycares don't or they just watch them over a video camera and that freaks me out. Um, they use inappropriate techniques to stop behavior. and Right. So I found a great place that was only 20 minutes away in Texas and he ended up going to daycare there and being boarded there for a weekend. Uh, well, I went to a conference, and he loved it there, so that was great. And then I was looking for a place in Michigan, but COVID hit, so we learned how to hike <laughs> off-leash. We worked on Excellent. our off-leash skills in the 100-acre wo- woods in northern Michigan. Fantastic. And, Clark, that's enough. Clark's like, I need to be, Clark is over here trying to find the most comfortable place to lay down because he doesn't think that my carpet is soft enough. So he's thinking the chair, the dog bed, it's way too freaking small for him. But our oldest dog gets on that somehow. I mean, most of his legs fall apart. But Clark is bigger than one and a half of my dogs. So he's 32 inches tall, which is a female Great Dane. he's 50, 58 50, pounds. 58 pounds, and he's the size of a like a female Great Dane. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's a large dog, which is fun to fly with. But we'll get back to that. Um, So, yeah, so in Michigan, we worked on a lot of off-leash skills, and one thing that I liked about your classes was that you're like, we use a leash to teach you how to not need a leash. Yes. Um, So I loved that because one of my biggest fears is that a dog would run away because my childhood (laughs) dog did that. Oh, yeah. So I worked on his off-leash skills in Michigan and taught him that he doesn't poop on the trail. He asked for permission to go into the woods. And then he gets his... I really feel like you shouldn't be a physical therapist. <laughs> and I he, feel like you've missed your calling. That's <laughs> not going to make you as much money. <laughs> but yeah. I thought you had natural thought processes. Well, it's... On teaching 
So I'm all about picking up your dog's waist when you're on a walk with right. a decent human. <laughs> and but like in the woods, the deer's poop in the right. woods. So yeah. go deep in the woods and fertilize. Absolutely. So that's me being lazy. And so <laughs> if it's convenient for me, I'm gonna teach my dog to do it. And efficiency, so, I like it. So I would give him permission to go potty. And he would go deep into the woods, do his business, and come back on the trail. He knew he couldn't go into the woods without my permission. So there was a definitive trail. So, so I'm curious because a lot of people will be like, oh, I'd love my dog to walk on the trail and not go off without permission. How did you accomplish that? It started with the basic skills that we learned in the classes at the farm. So the listening um, in a busy environment, in a calm environment, and just building the trust, really. I knew, and finding, honestly, finding the dog's kryptonite, whether it be food, which was not Clark's. No. Nope. Not food-driven. <laughs> Lots of nutritional issues. He got double-crossed by all food, so he does not do treats. Um, but for him, it's anything he can fetch with. So a ball is his kryptonite. So I, we would play fetch as we hiked. So I would throw the ball. He'd bring it back. I'd throw it, bring it back. If he started to wander, I kept the ball. And I made him Excellent. get into a heel or we'd work on different commands that he knew. And he had to listen to me. And so if he was kind of getting off the rails and not, and I was like, I might be losing his listening skills, I'd give him the okay to go and make him wait. And he'd have to stop and wait and then come back to me, and then I'd do it again, and then he'd get the reward. So, okay, I love that, because you're saying, when I thought that he was about to lose interest, I gave him a piece of what he wanted. Mm -hmm. I let him go a little bit, but then I brought him back in, and I built him back in. Because he thought he was going to get the ball. But then I was like, wait, I want one more thing from you first. See, that, I think that so many times people don't think about, what can I give to the dog that they want, maybe just a little bit to get what I want. Mm-hmm. It's a give and take. It's a lot of compromise. It really is. And that's why I love Fetch for him. I do a lot of training with Fetch because that's his favorite game. And that's a part of it is the running that he loves. Mm-hmm. Part of it's getting the ball and bringing it back to do it again. So I let him go. I give him the ready set and he knows go is his go command. <laughs> It's either go or okay, and he'll go, and then I'll yell, wait, and he'll stop, and I'll make him come back, and he'll come back halfway and say, no, all the way, and he has to come back all the way, and then I'll throw it. I love it. See, and this is what I want people to hear, because, you know, they hear me talk, and they're like, oh, she's a professional trainer, of course she can do this, right? But I really want people to hear that you can have a, a, a career that you're good at, And you have a personal life. You go out, you have friends, you go eat, you do these things. But you make a point to make time for your dog and meet his needs. At the same time, getting out of him what you need Mm -hmm. to make you guys work together. That it's possible. That it can happen. And that if you just think about it a little bit and think about what he needs... I think it just, it makes it a huge difference in the relationship aspect of it. It really and, does. And it's because it's not like, 
there's not a lot of, I mean, you guys have been here for a few hours now. We had dinner, Gray came over, we all kind of had a bitching session about life, and, you know, we did our thing. It was nice. It was much needed for me, uh, because I also had a night off from clients, but um, it was just nice that, you know, Clark had to just kind of be a dog, and I didn't hear a ton of commands that you needed to give him. He just kind of knew what life was like, and then we let Isabella come out, and they played, and that's what it should be, right? It's like imagining people taking their kids to a friend's house and they're constantly commanding their kid to do something. You don't. Right. Why not develop a relationship with the dog to where you can just let them be a dog? Exactly. Like, I didn't need him next to me. And I right. don't expect him to lay next to me unless we're in an environment where that's what's appropriate, like right. out to eat. But if we're just hanging out, like, go be a dog. Right. If we're in a backyard, go be a dog. Um, and that's one of the nicest things is that I can trust him to play fetch in an unfenced yard or I know that he's not going to hurt anyone. He might approach someone pretty fast, but he's scared the shit out of somebody because he looks like a small gray day or I don't know, a pony. Or they, but, they think he's going to mow him over, but he stops. <laughs> he, he knows that if he jumps, he won't get pet. Just bend your knees. <laughs> if he's approaching, bend your knees, just in case he forgets to put the brakes on a little bit <laughs> sooner. Uh, yeah, so, but he, it's, it's nice to know that I can allow him to be a dog and he's happy and I'm not super stressed about it. And now if there's a busy road, that's another story, but. So, yeah, so I've had, I've had Amanda and Clark come out and help us with some of our reactive dogs. And each time she's come out, she's had him on the leash and I don't feel like he needs to be on the leash. Uh, I think that he doesn't feel like he needs to be on the leash. Uh, and so I challenged you. Mm-hmm. I challenged you to start working him off leash, to have him be able to work with our reactive dogs off leash. And you admit it. You were nervous because there are busy roads. Yep. What have you done so far to kind of help yourself with that anxiety? Because I think a lot of people have anxiety of their dogs off leash. Yeah. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do about the busy road, the aspect of my personal issues but (laughs) for me it's because I know he's goofy and he's half setter as you know he will get going 110 miles an hour and looking back at me trying to figure out where he's supposed to go like am I going to throw something am I going to ask for something but he keeps running and he's not going to know when he's in traffic and that's what freaks me out so that's a good healthy that's my right, healthy yeah, anxiety. That's, that's healthy. Do I think fear. he's going to run away from me and never come back? No. Like, I mean, you've seen him. He has a little bit of a separation anxiety. Just a little. But it's I mean, mutual. there was a door with a window in between. God bless him. He was freaked out. It's mutual. It's, <laughs> it's <But>. mutual. Amanda <laughs> has separation anxiety. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's good with that we've done a lot of work with the ball um it's tough for me because i live in an apartment complex that requires leashes yep um but sometimes we sneak around that and go at times where there's not other dogs i'll be happy to give you a one foot leash so it's always (laughs) attached and you could say he's on leash that's a good point there is no sign that says leash must be in human's hand yeah so you can just have a one little one foot leash that's attached to him and, it, and he's tall enough it's not going to drag anyway that's a good point see there you go because i can just grab it really quick there just you go put him in a heel and he'll just right there perfect um yeah so we've done a lot with that um 
working with the ball, playing fetch this past week. He does fine. He can be off leash. I know he can. It just... I think what makes me nervous is if he starts to play with another dog and they're not paying attention to where they're going. I get that. I, and I do think that we do have to be careful and be safe yeah. at where we are. I, I think that knowing what those uh, kind of negatives in the environment are, mm-hmm. uh, but knowing that if I'm not letting them off leash, it's because of those negatives, not because of my yeah fear or my lack of belief of my dog being able to be responsive. Yeah. No, he can definitely be responsive. And one thing that I remember from the trainer that we saw, when I called them up and said I would like a refund because this is not the class for us, um, he's like, well, can your dog sit in a playground and pay attention to what you're asking of him? And I was like, well, no, he's 11 weeks old. (laughs) (laughs) Nope, he's 11 weeks old. But that's also not what I'm here to get trained to do. Right. Um, And so that's always kind of stuck in my mind. And he, now, I would trust him. He'd listen to me on a mm-hmm. playground in a busy environment. I mean, heck, I fly with him. And since he's so big, he has to be off-leash at TSA. No leash, no collar, no harness, because it all has to be, go through the... And I'm imagining right now our listeners of how many of them are having panic attacks thinking about their dog being off-leash at, at the, the security checkpoint, which we all get anxiety anyway. At the checkpoint at the airport mm-hmm. without a dog. Right. So the fact that he can go through TSA, he's probably the only one without anxiety. Right. And honestly, I every, because he's not full service. Um, we've talked a little bit about that, about he already does task me. But yes. um, I haven't flown with him as a full service dog. And so I haven't had a vest on him because it's not required. Right. Um, and so, you know, the ESAs and other dogs that fly get a bad rep because they're not trained. There's no requirement for training, which is why they just got banned. Yep. Um, and so here they see a giant dog, giant doodle, nonetheless. <laughs> giant dog coming through. Here's an ESA. Mm-hmm. Everyone watch out. Um, and I've had multiple, usually every time I go through TSA with him, they're like, oh, my gosh. Or... Wow, he's such a good dog. And yeah. Like, oh, all dogs that go through the airport should be should like this. Should be like this, yes. Um, so whether they're service or ESA, I mean, I think all ESAs should have a canine good citizen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but that way you don't have to ban them. Exactly. These people do need them. But, um, yeah, so that's always fun to go through and just see people be like, that's not a service dog, but oh my gosh. Right, how good he is. But you were telling us a story earlier, but I got tickled that he, tell us about him. He's so good on airplanes. He loves flying. So tell us about how he goes through his little routine of looking at the window and then sitting in your lap sometimes. and then. So he's learned that when we get on the airplane, we fly bulkhead so that we have the most foot room that we can. And... He always needs a window seat because he loves looking out the window. <laughs> but so do I. So it's mutual. Um, and Southwest actually lets you have priority if you have a service dog with you. So that's, that's nice. nice. That's nice to know for those listeners. Thank you, Southwest. Our service dogs. Um, yeah, so 
we get a window seat and I actually had one flight attendant that recognized us from a previous flight so that was fun you fly too damn much <laughs> but um, so yeah so he has a routine of pre-COVID when we could get a drink before like a water or a beverage yeah or water Delta gives beverages <laughs> South nobody's West. drinking water during this episode just so you know <laughs> Um, Southwest gives water. I would ask for a cup of ice. So he eats his cup of ice while I was on boards. Really? Mm-hmm. And because he's going to get dehydrated You're in the air. You to take a picture of him right now so that we can use that as our as our episode art when he's looking back this way. Because he's decided now that he is just tired of us doing this and that he is kind of ready for his nap or his nightcap. I'm not even sure what he's looking for. He's just... Y'all, he is so Looking out cute. the window with his head resting it's on the ridiculous. chair. Okay, you're going to have to see me that because I'm going to make that the uh, episode artwork. Okay. We're going to change our artwork for this one. Oh, look at that. See, that, get that picture. We're going to take a pause. Get that picture. Oh, okay. Can we get it from here? Okay. Y'all, I'm not kidding. He is so damn cute. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he is so damn big, too. He has made his fat ass fit in that chair. And it's not even fat. He's just big. Send that to me, please. I Thank will. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so he, we wait for everyone to board, and he's standing up. He doesn't love laying down when there's things going on. He's very attentive to everything going on in the environment. But the Irish setter there. A little ADHD, okay. but so am I, so it's fine. <laughs> I get him. We get each other. Um, so yeah, so he looks out the window and watches the people on the grounds at the airport, loading the luggage, directing the plane. And then once we get about 10,000 feet, when we can't see the ground anymore, he lays down and he sleeps for anywhere up to four hours was our longest flight out to Oregon. And then once he hears the landing gears comes down, he pops up again, looks out the window, and waits for landing. So That's impressive. Yeah. And then another thing. Kids don't even fly that well. I know. I mean, seriously. Baby's screaming, and I'm like, I hope you like dogs. Um, oh my gosh. But another thing to emphasize with thinking about flying with dogs is do they get motion sickness? And and that's something I've never even thought about. I didn't either until my friend flew with her dog, her service dog, for the first time, and it just got explosive vomiting everywhere. Wow. And that's just everyone's worst nightmare that you don't think about. Um, motion sickness as well as um, can they relieve themselves or hold it for the allotted amount of time? Um Clark doesn't pee inside. He hasn't since he was nine weeks old. I cannot get him to pee on turf. Doesn't I was, matter. I was, was going to bring that up. Is I've seen a couple of airports where they have turf. Every airport now has it. Now they do. Uh, Nashville Airport, excuse me, Nashville Airport is outside, okay. I think. But, no, they just added one on the Southwest Terminal that is Excellent. inside. But he won't do turf. He will not pee inside, so he has held it for nine and a half hours. So I would say that if you're thinking about maybe flying with your dog, start working on the turf. Start working on the turf. That's one thing I know we do with our service dogs is mm-hmm. trying to find as many different types of substrate preference that they have. Uh, now, if that are all right, appropriate. A, a couple of the dog parks here in Nashville are turf, and he will go to the bathroom on turf if it's outside. It's being it's inside. inside. It's being inside. Being inside. I have walls around me. I can't do it. He knows he can't go to the bathroom. I mean, if he can hold it, that's great. Yeah. So he okay. thankfully can hold it. And also with that, knowing your dog's signals to go to the bathroom. Um, if you're in the airport, I've had a 
couple people that I know that their dog has relieved themselves, number two, in the airport terminal. And I'm like, there's really no excuse for that. You should know the signals. Right. Um, dogs will start giving signals with plenty of time to run yes. to inappropriate, whether it's a bathroom or the dog relief area. Yeah, if, if all else fails, go to the restroom and let them do it on the hard floor that's easy to pick up and clean. That they clean all the time. Right. Yeah, so flying with the dog brings its own complications and expectations for training. I think the first time I flew with him, he was, well, besides the eight-week-old, but when he had to be off-leash, he was less than a year. Um, so he's been doing it for a while. But, again, high reward. You can have a treat in your hand walking through TSA. But, um, you know, no toys or anything in your pockets, no treats in your pockets. But Wow. And that's really hard to practice. It is. It's like, what do you, you know, what things can we do to kind of simulate what that would be? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that maybe walking down some, and you can give me some suggestions, maybe walking down some uh, tight aisles, at maybe stores. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you say that, what would be some of the best things that people could do to get their dog prepared for that? Busy environments, so if you live in the Nashville area, taking the dog downtown Broadway, put booties on it if it's white. We learned that one the hard way with Mady. Um, Broadway's dirty, but Broadway, 12 South, 21st Avenue, where there's lots of people, and they're going to have to walk through next to you and be attentive to you and not try to create anywhere that's crowded. I mean, you don't usually walk through a crowd of people at a park because people are playing at the park but if, a, yeah, if there's a point. sidewalk that you can find in a downtown area or a busier part of town where you can walk through that's good practice um the other thing is finding a high value treat so his one of his favorite things is a duck neck a air dried duck neck <laughs> so i cut that into thirds and i so just so He's not intimidating people if he's walking around with it. Okay, because I know you probably feed those duck heads. Yep. That look like a, I mean, a real a duck, duck head. head. It's a real duck head. It's a duck head. It's animal part. It's real animal Freak parts. Freak people out. So, no. So, I take the duck neck and I cut it into thirds. And so, it's just like an inch and a half that I have in my hand. But it's something, and this edges on the side of bribery. It does. But at the same time... He needs to know he's getting a reward, and where's his focus at? Is it on me, where all good things come from, or is it on everyone else, the crying baby and the untrained dog in the kennel behind me? I, I think that that's um, a good point of saying that there may be times to where we need to say, look, I am, here it is. I have the gold, and yeah. I give him a little whiff before I take his leash and harness and collar off, and he's expected to stay at my left side. And then he's expected to be in a sit-and-stay while I walk through TSA. And then I have to talk to the agent and say, let, let me know when you want me to call my dog. And then he comes when I call, and then he gets the treat, and then we get him harnessed back up. So That's some impressive shit right there. <laughs> I'm just going to say it out loud. I'm going to put a big E for explicit <laughs> on this episode. That's some impressive shit. So, and honestly, where we learned a lot of that was, again, in those classes at the farm. Because... You have dogs doing all different things. We're calling them yep. to come at different times. Um, I knew the first time before I flew with him, I worked a lot on the short distance in a busy environment, sit, stay, come, because that's what he needed to do. Yes. 
and I knew he could do that at the farm in an open-air environment with dogs and yeah. people running around and people he knew and all the different smells of treats and toys oh, yeah. that we have out there. And so I was pretty confident in his ability to do that inside. It takes a lot of confidence on your part. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes... human. It also takes speaking up when you know... So he loves dogs. And there was a couple instances where there's a dog, a tiny dog in a kennel, like in a carrier case. Oh, yeah. And I asked them, you have to speak up for yourself. You have to be an advocate for yourself and your dog. Ask them, hey, can you keep your dog in the crate until mine goes through TSA because he has to be off leash? And I've never had a problem of someone saying, like, no. They're like, oh, yeah, absolutely, of course. Like, not an issue with him. He just loves dogs and he'll want to say hi. Right. (laughs) Um, So, and you just never know with the little dogs. Right, you don't. (laughs) I think I'm more worried question. about the little dog jumping out and then running away. Right, and the blue dog's like running down to three A, and like, no, you better be at D four. <laughs> right, and it's. I think that's a good point. Of, you're right. You're the only one that can advocate mm-hmm. for your dog, whether that's a health issue, uh, training, and, and being asked to do something in training that is, you know, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But but things like that, I think it's important that we don't. We don't worry about hurting other people's feelings when it comes to our dog. Right. Because we are only responsible for the emotions of our dog, mm-hmm. not hurting someone else's feelings. So right. Making a point to say, I've got to step up because you have claimed you're an introvert. Yeah. Which is, again, I am still kind of thrown off about that, but I married an introvert. So. You know, sometimes she's not. Like an Brittany said, we're kind of sisters. We're you and Brittany are kind of. It is kind of. It's kind of weird. You are kind of like. And the weird thing is that Gray and I are really a lot alike to a point. <laughs> and then he's like Brittany too. So I don't know. It's weird. But it's even being an introvert, you still have to step up because he counts on you mm-hmm. to keep him safe and to protect him in different environments. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people lose. For fear of hurting other people's feelings. Because it's hard to say, no, sorry, you can't pet my dog right now. Right. Like, I mean, look at him. Everyone wants to pet him. Oh, my God. He is so freaking adorable. When he was 8 pounds versus 58 pounds, everyone wants to pet him. And there's times where, quite frankly, I don't want to talk to people. And they're like, can I pet your dog? I'm like, no, sorry, not right now. Like, There you go. I'm busy. I don't want to talk. He would love to greet you. Right. He's like, I'm the extrovert. And he gets mad at me. He's like, what do you mean? What yeah. the hell is wrong with you? I wanted to say hi. Yeah. Not today. Right? Yeah, I get that. But there's times where, you know, we're busy. We can't always let people pet our dogs. And then especially in situations like COVID, not that people would ask, but people still ask, believe it or not, when we were flying, what would have been March or April last year? pre-mass mandate but full-fledged covid people are still asking to pet my dog and i'm like not with the state of the world right now i'm sorry yeah um so you have to be able to be an advocate for yourself and your dog and even if your dog doesn't like being pet don't feel bad that you're like how when are you gonna run into that person again you're not and if your dog doesn't, and there are a lot of dogs that don't want to be pet right. by strangers. I mean, you look at things, dogs like Akitas, Great Pyrenees, they're not into saying, hi, hey, let me get up in your grill and you can get up in my grill. Which is a shame because they're fluffy. They are so fluffy, so everybody wants to pet them. They're the ones you don't want to pet. Right. Um, because they don't care to be petted by you. You know, and even some Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, mm-hmm. 
they're like, I got a job to do, and and you're not part of and it. And it involves nipping your heels. And it's, exactly, and putting you where you need to be. And if there's chaos, I'm going to coordinate it. Right. Right. I think that it is important that we realize that it doesn't make a bad dog if they don't want to be petted by strangers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make... Um, it doesn't make a bad owner if they say no uh, not right now or my dog's in training or he's not really into petting or he's working or he's doing this we do have to step up and be an advocate for our dogs and everything nutrition veterinary care um, you know everything we have to which is I mean we're dog speak mm-hmm. redefining dog training right it's about understanding where the dogs are coming from and and understanding that they are individuals and it's not our job to listen to other people about what our dog should be doing to be a good dog for us. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's no such thing as here is the the recipe for a good dog. Right. I think it's individual. It really is. And that's one thing that I realized as far as veterinary care goes is he had an issue where he was vomiting blood. I'm like, this isn't normal. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, just put him on hydrolyzed protein. And then we'll go from there. I rolled my eyes. I know y'all didn't hear that. And better yet, why don't you put the kibble in the freezer and then feed it to him? And I'm like, that's a lot. I hadn't heard that one. That was Uh, good. And uh, so they're like, well, okay, I'll do that. And uh, that didn't help. And then you actually introduced me to the saliva test. And so then we started introducing real foods after that. Found a kibble that worked for a while. But he still had the issue, and then I advocated for him to find a new solution, and he hasn't vomited in eight or more weeks. So. Yeah, he is he is loving life He's with his new food. Thriving. He is with a really good veterinarian who touches more on the holistic side of things yeah. and really works on the in, the dog inside out. Yes. Um, and I love that, and I'm hoping one day to get her on the podcast. Um, so that other people can hear that there are things you're not stuck in a box when it comes to your dog's health you're not stuck in a box to when it comes to your dog's behavior look at your dog as an individual mm-hmm. and appreciate who they are as an individual but also at the same time know what you're getting mm-hmm. know that you've got to make time if you have three kids and they all play soccer don't get a puppy you know if you have kids that play travel ball don't get a puppy. It's not Don't even right get to... an adult dog. Don't even get an adult dog. Don't even get a cat. Maybe a cat, but... N- not my cats. <laughs> my cats are... They're not like aloof cats. I need my cats. Yeah. I, I, like, I give Steve curfew. <laughs> I tell Steve when he goes out at 7 o'clock, I'm like, be back by 9.30. Yep. And at 9.30, I go out and I call him. And most of the time, he's on time. Sometimes he gets grounded. <laughs> And I have to get the flashlight out and go out and find him. But but it really is understanding that you do have to put in the time. But if you put in the time, the relationship you have with Clark is no other. All right? Yep. I mean, just look. I wish you guys could see her <laughs> face right now when she's talking about Like, when I, when I talk about that, the face, it says it all. Yep. And I think that's why I really wanted you on here because I wanted people to, to hear what I see between you two mm-hmm. and how much I respect you as a dog owner so much so that I want to bring you more on board with dog speak. <laughs> um, nobody's taken us up on the puppy developmental uh, membership yet, but I think we'll, we'll continue to push that to where allowing Amanda to come get your puppy 
and socialize and expose and do the things that puppies need before that four or five, six month old, month mark. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important because it, it helps you develop a real relationship with your dog and, and have them prepare to do the things that a lot of people want to do with their dogs. Go hiking, go sit on a cafe or a patio, go to a craft fair with their dog, mm-hmm. go to a, a wonderful musical event that is outside where you can bring your picnic lunch and your four bottles of wine and <laughs> and let your dog off leash and run right I mean it's just it's a different it really is a different life when you can have that and I mm-hmm. think everybody can have that if they think about it before they get a dog mm-hmm. give me three things kind of to wrap this up give me three things and you know we did not even prepare for this I'm just like we're just gonna fly by the seat of our pants we're just gonna have a conversation give me three things that you would tell people what are the top kind of three things that you think that's really important whether it's a puppy owner or even just you know somebody who's got an adult dog that you think that's the most important not from a trainer's perspective but from an owner's perspective to have this kind of relationship with their dog so the first thing that comes to mind is don't expect a relationship bond that you haven't built meaning if you, I know a lot of people like this, sending your dog off for two weeks and getting it that trained by ass. someone else. Um, but part of training and building a relationship is doing that with yourself. Because if you aren't the one figuring out your dog, how are you going to know what its triggers are? I mean, someone could tell you, but when it comes down to it, who's the dog going to trust? You know, right now on TikTok, there's this big like trend of the two like mom and dad of the dog run different directions oh, I, hate, I hate that video <laughs> the dogs get so t- stressed I hate that video the dogs are so stressed but when it comes down to it like after those two weeks and the dog trainer brings your dog back try that test yeah are they going to run to you or your trainer the trainer because the trainer just bonded them for two weeks straight exactly and that's part of the reason why i knew i needed to a lot two full weeks for me i allotted three just to bond with him and to set that foundation of a relationship expectations and goals for myself and the dog as far as you know what we want to do with training and where this relationship will be that key word you've said several times relationship there really has to be a relationship with your dog. Your dog isn't just a piece of furniture in your house. It's a part of your family. And that's like a cliche thing for all pet owners. I feel like that's only said when dogs pass away. Like, oh, it's a, you lost a part of your family. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, this is part of your family from the day you get it. Right. It's not just when like, it's dead. Right. And if it feels like it's not that big of a deal, then you didn't build a relationship with right. the dog. and. Right. So, and it's part of caring for it and training it. And honestly, seeing Clark off leash brings me some of the most joy because it's like he can be the happiest dog that he can be because I trust him to be a dog. And that right there, it's what you said there, seeing him off leash was not about your ego that you got him there, but the fact that he Mm -hmm. has a more fulfilling life because of it mm-hmm. if I had a mic that was in my hand I would drop it right now <laughs> and it would be a mic drop right there on that one and that's only point number one I know shit <laughs> that was amazing 
but it's so true but yeah. you're right I mean you're like that makes you happy to see that mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with you but that his happiness and that is a true relationship it's seeing the other part of that relationship being happy mm -hmm. and knowing you contributed to it it brings you joy oh my god so much knowing there's like i produce that like absolutely right yeah <laughs> tap on my back that's what um, i love my parents to feel about me <laughs> and then they see my michael myers tattoo and like i'm not sure where you came from <laughs> oh for my dad they see my florida gator tattoo and he's like nope you're not mine <laughs> all right sorry i get off topic sometimes all right that was just point one. Point one. all right I would say point number two is to think about the resources that you have and are willing to give and are willing to sacrifice, and that comes down to financial. Um, so, like, are you fan financially in a place where you can, A, afford a dog? Mm. Um, that means not just food, but vet bills, emergency vet bills. Mm. Um just all the things daycare i mean we talked about socialization a little bit he's gone to daycare at the farm uh once a week for a while um boarding um it's important to board i would say it's important to board your dog young because you can't always take your dog with you yeah get um, used to it and it's good for them honestly if you find a solid boarding facility that is reputable and you know they're gonna love their dog your dog like their own um, it's good for them, and that's, you know, financially as well as with your time. Do you have the resource that is time to devote to your dog? Um, and maybe you feel like you don't have it, but you need to make it like myself. I didn't have time for a dog, but I knew I needed to make time for a dog, um, and it was the best decision I made. Um, so that's not going to be something that you can just set aside. You can't just a dog on hold the dog has to go out yeah morning noon and night and sometimes it has explosive diarrhea at three in the morning and you have to get up and let it out <laughs> um that's personal experience right there sure is <laughs> but you know what he does not go inside he let me know so like mama i'm about to shit pants <laughs> exactly you know and this is not a kmart commercial but i'm about to shit my pants <laughs> <laughs> so resources do you have the resources to properly care for and spend time with your dog training it to be a good dog a socialized dog and a dog that you can trust and it can trust you and third oh wait wait a minute i gotta go back she just nailed the second big thing trust can the dog trust you and can you trust your dog? And can you trust your dog? Because it's a two-way relationship. It is a two-way relationship, but a dog can't learn unless they feel safe, and that includes being able to trust their owner. Mm -hmm. So now we have that relationship and trust. Let's see if she can make the third one. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm just going to pick it out. All right, what's that third one? <laughs> so third for me would be research your breed. Um, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's a good one. Um, whether it's a shelter dog, because they usually have a guesstimate of what it's mixed with um, at a shelter, uh, whether you're searching a designer breed, a purebred, um, a mixed breed, a doodle, make sure you research Google the heck out of what each breed is like, because I'm going to be honest, my dream dog is an Australian Shepherd. 
And someone asked me, well, why don't you get an Australian Shepherd? And I said, well, because that comes with my dream house on five acres of land because I don't run. There you go. And I can't attend to a high-energy dog in grad school. Um, so know what you're getting into. If you've never raised a Husky or a German Shepherd, better research that. Absolutely. Um, if you've never raised a dog, period, don't start with a hard one. Amen um, to that. And when you get a little dog, know what you're getting into. Amen. So that brings up a very good point. That kind of goes into some of the things that we're researching now and doing some things now in the last uh, episode that we put out last week is understanding that breeds do have specific needs and knowing what you're getting. And I want everyone, there's this wonderful new book out, I'm Addicted to this book. I bought it as the physical copy and then I knew I didn't have time to read it so I bought the audible and I've listened to it over and over again and I'm still reading the copy. It's called Meet Your Dog by Kim Brophy. Kim, I hope I said your name right. Not, I, don't, I hope she listens to the podcast. Uh, Kim Brophy, it's Meet Your Dog but it's a, it really goes into details about the breed specifics but she breaks down the breeds in different groups mm -hmm. different than what the AKC does for a show. Um, and I do, I think it's really important you understand what you're getting. I get so many people that call and they have an Aussie mix and they have four kids. Surprise. And they call us because they're biting, it's biting the kids. Or it's lunging at cars while walking. Well. It's trying to hurt your kids. It's trying to hurt your kids. It's trying to hurt every car that goes by. Oh yeah, and the bicycle and the jogger that went by. They're chaos coordinators. They got to herd all that together. It's very stressful. So it makes up a very good point of, again, make sure you know what you're getting and that even comes down to when i chose an irish doodle like they're not the brightest dogs but they're also described as adhd and i'm like well same so same i knew that training wasn't gonna happen in hour increments it's gonna be the couple minutes here and there throughout the day that will make the difference mm -hmm. and i learned that is like early on early when I first got him I mean he wasn't going to try to train for more than two minutes so that was fun can't do something else <laughs> yeah he's like I'm, I'm done with this there was times where I'm like you learned nothing what am I going to do what did I get myself into and then the next day I would come back to it and be like sit or down or whatever he's, command and he did it and I'm like you got it he yeah. was just bored you needed to move on to the next thing so once you figure out your dog and how they learn and that has a lot to do with the traits of the breed yep then you can successfully are you sure you want to do physical therapy for the rest of your life because <laughs> we need a third trainer <laughs> you sure you want to do physical therapy uh, it's i'm telling you this is what i want people i mean we want to make dogs speak geeks all around the world because this is what we want people thinking about right that there's so much more that they're not robots mm -hmm. that they're not you know, one, uh, they're not going to be the same. They're all individuals, and they all have those traits, and they all have those. I mean, sure, every organism learns the same through consequences, positive, negative. But there are just some that will, that learning process takes a little bit of a different track. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, you don't sit back and go, oh. I mean, because I get a lot of clients who goes, yeah, my dog's not real bright. Not necessarily. Maybe your dog just learns differently. Or you didn't find the kryptonite. 
right or you didn't find what is the dog's favorite thing to go after right mm -hmm. and a lot of people will find that oh my dog loves the tennis ball well put the tennis ball out there with a couple of tug toys a box with a with peanut butter spread on it um and some couple other things and just let the dog go and see what the dog picks up and very rarely the dog will pick up the thing that people think they should have um i think that's my mask man <laughs> obviously clark is not an appalachian state fan because he's trying to eat my Appalachian State mask. Just not a mask fan. Well, you suck, man. Damn <laughs> Illinois dog. Actually, he's a Nashvilleian. He's a Nashville. He's a southern southern dog. And now he's trying to get my Florida Gator visor out. Like, like you're against sports. What are you? I bet you're a Belmont fan. He's probably just wanting to put. Are you a Bruin? Your Gator gear on. Oh, see, he has taste. He wants to wear the Gator yep. gear. I love you, Clark. Well, I think that should wrap it up. We did good. We did. We flew by the seat of our pants. You're an introvert, but you did really good. Thanks. Uh, I think I thought just get you talking about Clark. That's all that matters. Get me talking about Clark and I'll talk for hours. I think so. I think <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, I appreciate you coming out. Um, you didn't eat dinner with us, which is sad because um, Britt made some amazing hamburgers. Um, and Clark probably wanted some. He probably did. But we had a good time. And I do appreciate you coming out and really talking. I hope people kind of get that. Because they get tired of hearing a professional, I'm using mm -hmm. air quotes here, a professional of me, you know, just talking. You know, like, yeah, it's easy for you. You do it all day. But to hear people that actually go through it who went through the process. Mm -hmm. And for someone that went through doctorate school and, and decided, like, hey, I want to get a puppy. Yay! <laughs> Let's get a puppy. You're insane. I mean, big disclaimer, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. I think you went about it the right way. Mm -hmm. You went, I need this for my mental health. I need something else. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm going to do it the right way. And when I'm going to do it, I'm going to commit to it. Yep. And people do need to realize that you need to commit to these things if you're going to do it. And be the advocate for your dog. And know that they may need something different than what your grandmother's dog needed, your aunt's dog needed, your mama's dog needed, or even the dog you grew up with. If I hear I grew up with dogs or I've had dogs my whole life one more time, I'm going to scream. I grew up with dogs, <laughs> and we never trained them. So who am I to train a dog? Right. I mean, I, the way I look at it. I had no it, idea what I was doing. The way I look at it is I use a toilet every day, but I'm not a freaking plumber. Okay? That's all I'm saying. So... Just because you grew up with dogs and you had great dogs growing up doesn't mean that the dogs you have now mm -hmm. are expected to do the same things. Life is different. Things are different. Our environment's different. Our society is different. Mm -hmm. Everything is different. So, you know, research. Reach out for help, guys. We are available for you, even if you're not local. We've had a, uh, several emails from people that are out of state, that are listeners, that have asked questions, and we will answer you as quickly as we can. Because uh, we want you to have a good relationship with your dog. I would love to see the look on your face with the, the same look that Amanda has on her face when we talk about Clark. And she just glows. I pride and joy. It, and it should be because he really is a wonderful dog. And I do not, I do not say this about a lot of dogs. You think you'd ever say that about an Irish dog? I never thought I would say it about an Irish dog. And I have no problem admitting that. That I thought, who the who, who would put, like putting an Irish shooter together is like putting a freaking pug and bigo together. Who, what were they thinking about, right? I will say that 
Clark is one of the best doodles I've ever met. He is one of, his personality is amazing. He is so sweet. Mm -hmm. And you guys, your relationship together is really a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. Thanks. And I am so grateful that I got to be a part of it and that you proved me wrong. <laughs> I have no problem being proved wrong. I love that you proved me wrong with this dog. Mm -hmm. um, you've done an amazing job with him. Thank you. And I am grateful to have you with Retrieving Independence as, our, as one of our Tier 1 puppy development leaders, our puppy socialization. You do all the great things. And to have you as part of Dog Speak with our puppy development. And we'll talk more about that on upcoming episodes. Uh, so if you guys are local that we can do that and you can have a dog as good as Clark and that you can take him on airplanes and do all the wonderful things and go to all the fairs and all the wonderful things that's going to happen in 2021 and 2022. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Yay! Keep vaccinated. Um, <laughs> not a political post. Um, but uh, I thank you. For, thanks, Marina. I know it's late. you got to be up really early and somewhere very early. So I'm going to we're going to wrap this up. And uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in this week. This is a little bit longer than we normally do with episodes. I am not going to fit this in two parts. I think people just need to listen to this in one part. And I think they're, they're going to enjoy it. So uh, this is it. I, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having and, me. And if you need physical therapy, where can they find you? Where can they reach out to you? For maybe even if they want to ask you things about Clark, where can they reach you? Um, so for physical therapy, I work at Nashville Physical Therapy and Performance. We do have four locations in Dang. Nashville. We have one in West Nashville, East Nashville, South Nashville, and Cool Springs. Poor North Nashville is just shit out of luck. <laughs> for now, um, our East and West are pretty, like, I mean, if you're North. You're closer to one of those. Too. Okay. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to me on Instagram, it's AK Stevens. That's S T E P H E N S dot D P T on Instagram. Yay. And other than that, Clark doesn't have his own Instagram page. Clark does have an Instagram. He. Why did I forget that? I don't know. You need to be a shout out for Clark on his Instagram page. He's more popular than me, so I shout out myself now. <laughs> um. His Instagram is Southern Dude Clark, and that's dude as in doodle, so D O O D. And he has a lot of followers on Instagram. Awesome. And we will put all of this in the show notes so that you guys have access to it. I appreciate you guys listening. And if you've not checked out our Patreon page, be sure to check that out um, and see some exclusive training videos for you guys and uh, an opportunity to have uh, free access to seminars, uh, whether in person or online. And we really appreciate you guys listening. And again, thanks for being here, Amanda. And Clark, you're a good boy. Oh, he is so cute. I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right, I hope you guys have a wonderful week.